All right, I'm going to kick us off reading, so read along with me. So starting at verse 22, like I said. So here we go. Therefore, say to the Israelites, this is what the sovereign Lord says. It is not for your sake, people of Israel, that I am going to do these things, but for the sake of my holy name, which you have profaned among the nations, where you have gone. I will show you the holiness of my great name, which has been profaned among the nations, the name you have profaned among them. Then the nations will know that I am the Lord, declares the sovereign Lord, when I am proved holy through you before their eyes. For I will take you out of the nations. I will gather you from all the countries and bring you back into your own land. I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and from all your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. Then you will live in the land I gave your ancestors. You will be my people and I will be your God. Cool. Um, Geordie's going to come up and he's going to explain that to us. All righty. Hey, random citizen. What up? Good to see you guys again. It's been a little while. Man, I've been reliving some, some memories in those videos and stuff, hey? It's been good. How good was fat? Yes, it's so good. Um, I was trying to think today about what my favourite part of fat was, uh, and I thought maybe it's the games, all right? Games are pretty good. No one's getting Luca, all right? No one's getting Luca. I got hit in the face with one of those catapult things. It was, yeah, it was Heath. <laughs> I was on his team. I'm like, I'll help you out, Heath. I'll go get the ball. And it's like, <laughs> hit me in the face, all right? But maybe it was the games. They were pretty good. Or um, maybe, maybe for you it was Max, all right? <laughs> Max, uh, Max was pretty good. He was pretty good. If, he's your, if he was your favourite thing, that's a bit weird, but he, he was pretty good. Free time, free time was pretty good. Playing some tennis. Sully was in his zone at free time. He, like, had as many inflatables as a man humanly can, and he was just all over it. Year 12 girls were doing... And Ben, sorry. And Year 12 girls and Ben were doing something. Tiff had a bit of a runaround. She had her own little thing going on. I don't know what that was. Um, I found this photo as well. Maybe cups. Tab. Tap thought, yeah, <laughs> maybe the cups were your favourite thing. Again, if that was your favourite thing, a bit weird. That stuff was great, but I reckon there was stuff that was even better. There was stuff that kind of felt a bit special, like something really cool and special was going on. The talks, right? I learned so much from Galatians in that week. The talks are great. Learn from Galatians, looking at the future of everything. G-teams, G-teams were sick on fat. Got the bowl cut brigade over there, just trying to spread their bowl cutness to as many people as they can. G teams were sick, singing, man, singing was so good on fat. It was one of the things I looked forward to the most, right? But what what was it that made those things that we reckon were quite special? What made them so special? Because when you think about it, right, most of those things. 
those last couple, you can do on your own. You can do them at home. You want to hear a talk from the Bible, you just open up your phone, get a podcast open, you can listen to it. You want to look at the Bible yourself, you've got it, you don't need a G team to do it, you can do it on your own. You can even sing at home if you wanted. Other people in your house might not like it too much, depending on how good or bad you are at it, but you can sing epic songs on your own in your house. And so, what made those things so special at FAT? Well, I want to put it to you that it's the fact that we did it together. We did it all together. We were gathered as we did those things, as we listened to the talks, as we were in G teams in our groups, as we sang. There's something special about Christians gathering together to do that stuff. There's something really special about it. For the first couple of weeks this term, we're looking at Christians in the real world. What does it look like to be a Christian in the real world? And tonight we're saying that Christians in the real world gather. They gather together. It's what we do. But have you ever asked the question, why? Why do we do it? Why do Christians gather? Why is it their thing? Now, you could just say it's because there's something special about it. We just talked about that, right? It could just be there's something special about it and so we do it. But I don't think that's enough. That's not enough. Because there's Christians all around the world that are suffering heavily because they're gathering together. You might have heard just the other week, the, uh, a church in Sri Lanka, they were meeting on Easter, Easter Sunday, celebrating the resurrection of Jesus and they got bombed. But you know what they did the next week? They gathered, because it's what they do. 300 people were killed, 500 more injured, but the next week, they were back gathering again. Why would they do that? It's not just because it's something special that they feel, there's something even more. Christians who gather in China at the moment are finding it really, really hard. They are getting heavily persecuted for gathering together. The government is shutting down churches. They're jailing pastors. They're putting people who go to church in jail. It's illegal for anyone under 18, that's you guys, to be in a church or a youth or anything like that in China. People are being paid to spy on people and let the government know if any any Christians are gathering together. It's hectic over there. And so you'd think at that point, you'd go, all right, I'm just going to do the Christian thing on my own. I'm still a Christian, I'm going to read the Bible on my own, might listen to a talk online. But here's what one pastor who's been persecuted, here's what he said, even if we are down to our last five people in our church, our worship and our gatherings will still go on. He's like, man, if they get every one of us and there's just a couple of us left, we're still going to gather, we're still going to do it. Christians gather. There's something about it. It's not just a cool thing to do because these guys are risking their whole lives to make sure they do it. And so why, you might not have asked this before, but why do Christians gather? Why do you gather here tonight? We're going to look at three big reasons tonight as we go through the Bible, three big reasons why Christians gather. And as we do that, my hope is that if you're a Christian, you'll see just how epic it is to gather just how important it is to gather, to gather together and just how intrinsic to who you are it is. It's who you are together. It's going to be good, all right? And so why is it important for Christians to gather? Here's the first reason. It's who God is. 
Why do Christians gather? It's who God is. God, our God is a gatherer. He gathers people. That's what he does. That's who he is. He goes on about gathering people. Now, as soon as we say that, there's an obvious question, isn't it? If he's gathering people, what, what's he doing that for? Why does he even need to gather people in the first place? Well, one of the big reasons is this. Sin scatters. Sin scatters. That's what it does. It scatters people, it separates people from each other and from God. Sin scatters. We're going to go on a bit of a ride throughout the Bible. You guys up for that? It's going to be a lot of flicking. Come, come with me to the first book of the Bible, Genesis, very first chapter, Genesis chapter 1. Genesis means beginning and so it's fitting that it's the first book, right? It's at the beginning, makes a bit of sense. The first couple chapters of Genesis, we've got the account of God making the world, making everything in it. Now, God is the creator of everything. And you see that in chapter 1. It goes through a real ordered way. God's making the world. And after He's made the world and a bunch of stuff, He tops it off, He highlights it with the best part, He makes people. He makes us. We're thankful for that, right? And He makes the first people, Adam and Eve. It's the highlight of God's creation. You can see that in Genesis 1 and the start of Genesis chapter 2. The big highlight is God making people and things are looking tops. They're having a great old time. They're naming animals in there in chapter 2. You can just cast your eyes over there. They're having a good old time together. They're in a great relationship with each other. Adam and Eve, they're loving it. But even better than that, they're in an epic relationship with the God who made them. God's just made them and they're dwelling in the Garden of Eden with their God. It's great. But after chapter 2 comes chapter... Oh, you guys are good. Chapter 3 after chapter 2, I tell you. And this is just this plummet down. This is one of the low points, right? Adam and Eve disobey God. They commit the first sin. And the result of this sin, the result of them disobeying God, it's devastating. As you read chapter 3, you see there's this distance now between even Adam and Eve. Their relationship is getting broken and scattered. Now that sin has entered the world because of what they've done, everything's different. Nothing is the same. Verse 7, chapter 3, they're not comfortable around one another. Verse 12, Adam starts blaming Eve for what's going on. He's blaming God there as well. There's this separation between them now. Sin separates. But the big one, chapter 3, verse 23, here's the result after God is judging them for what they've done. So the Lord God banished him, that's Adam, from the Garden of Eden to work the ground from which he had been taken. Where they once were, God has scattered them out because of sin, kicked out of the land, dispersed, separated, scattered. Sin scatters people. It breaks our whole world. Does anyone um, remember that crazy hailstorm that happened a little while ago? You guys remember that? Man, there was this, um, it was just hectic after it. There was car windscreens everywhere shattered. People were just hiding under the trees, hoping they didn't get God, but once that hail hits, it was game over, right? And here's what happens. Often there's like, you'll get one hailstone, hail ball, what do they call? I don't know, a bit of hail, right? Flies on down, hits the windscreen, and it hits one point. 
Sometimes they're only small, right? It hits one point. But you never just see that one point as hurt, do you? It cracks it and it spreads out everywhere. So like this one, that's one point, but it's the whole windscreen's broken now. One point of impact ruining it all. And that's what sin does. This one point of impact, sin enters our world and suddenly it just spreads and spreads and it breaks everything. And you can see this, you can see the spreading in chapter 4. Flick over to chapter 4. Adam and Eve have kids, Cain and Abel. Now, they're not great brothers, right? Cain's not a great brother. He kills his brother. If your brother's doing that, it's not good for you, right? But he sins and it's escalating. Sin is spreading, it's getting worse. Check out verse 13. Is that where it is? Here we go, it's talking about God's punishment on him for what he's done. Cain said to the Lord, my punishment is more than I can bear. Today you are driving me from the land and I will be hidden from your presence. I will be a restless wanderer on the earth. Whoever finds me will kill me. Scatter. Sin scatters. Come over to chapter 11. It's been a while since those chapters now. There's a bunch of people all over the earth. And they've kind of joined forces in their arrogance and their sin. They're kind of all on the same train together. Chapter 11, verse 4. Then they said, Come, let us build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to the heavens, so that we may make a name for ourselves. Otherwise, we'll be scattered over the face of the earth. And because of their arrogance, God judges them. Verse 8. What does He do? So the Lord scattered them from there all over the earth and they stopped building the city. That's why it was called Babel, because the Lord confused the language of the whole world. From there, the Lord scattered them over the face of the whole earth. Sin scatters. As you track it through the whole of the Old Testament, you see it. God gives His people this land to live in. It's epic. And He says, if you obey me, it's going to go tops. If you don't, if you sin, if you disobey me, you'll be kicked out of the land. You'll be scattered. So now come with me to Ezekiel 36. We had read for us before. This is much later on now. Ezekiel 36. You guys tracking all right? Good stuff. Sounds like we're there. Verse 18. It says, So I poured out my wrath on them. This is God. So I poured out my wrath on them because they had shed blood in the land and because they had defiled it with their idols. I dispersed them among the nations and they were scattered through the countries. I judged them according to their conduct and their actions. This is something that God did to His people. They sinned, they did the thing He said not to do, and so they were scattered. This, you see this in history, this really happened. In 722 BC, Assyria comes, this country, and they just wipe out the north of Israel, gone. And then in 587 BC, Babylon comes, and they take the south off, and they take them off as slaves into Babylon, all right? Israel, God's people, out of their land, in exile, dispersed, scattered, separate. And in fact, Ezekiel here is talking to those people. (laughs) He's saying, this is why this happened. So they know full well what's going on. 
Sin scatters people. It separates people. It breaks things. Now, we've seen that throughout the history of the, of the Bible just then, right? But we can see this in our own lives, can't we? We see the result of sin in relationships. Sin scatters people and separates people, and we can see it with our own eyes. Friendships are ruined because of lying, because of selfishness, because of greed, because of anger. People in relationships break up because of it. Families split. We often don't even repair these relationships that get broken because of pride, because of sin. We expect the other person to say, sorry, it's their fault, it's not my fault. Relationships are broken and scattered as a result of sin. We can see it for ourselves. The cracks are visible. They're all over the place. But here's where we see where God is. Sin scatters, but He's the one who reverses that. Sin scatters, but God gathers. It's who God is. This is the hope. This is the good part, right? God is a gatherer because He's promised that He's going to reverse this, that He's going to gather His people back. So come with me to verse 22 of Ezekiel, where we just were. And we'll start in 23. I will show the holiness of my great name, which has been profaned among the nations, the name you have profaned among them, Then the nations will know that I am the Lord, declares the Sovereign Lord, when I am proved holy through their eyes. What's He going to do? Verse 24, For I will take you out of the nations, and I will gather you from all the countries, and will bring you back into your own land. I'll sprinkle clean water on you. You'll be clean. I'll cleanse you from all impurities and from all your idols. I'll give you a new heart. I'll put a new spirit in you. I'll remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. I'll put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. Then you will live in the land I gave your ancestors. You will be my people and I will be your God. God makes his epic promises to his people who are scattered. He says, I'm going to bring you back. I'm going to gather you. I love you. I'm gracious. I'm merciful. I'm going to gather you back into the land. And he does it. He does it for these people. In 538 BC, the Jews are sent back to their land. You can chase this up in history. The Bible is a reliable historical document. Cyrus, this Persian guy, he came and took Babylon and the Jews went back to their land. God had gathered his people back. God is on about gathering people because He's on about relationship with people. And again, we hear this and it sounds great, but this makes sense of our life as well. This is the beautiful thing about the Bible. It makes so much sense of life around us. Now, you might not think that this Christian thing is legit, you might not think any of it's real, but it makes so much sense of your life that you can't just ignore it all. Life is about relationships because our God is on about them. He's gathering. The tragedy of being lonely tells you life is about relationships. The joy of knowing that you mean something to someone, that's showing you that life is about relationships. The fact that things are just better when you experience them with other people shows you that life is about relationships. We get that already. (laughs) We can see that. And here in the Bible... We have the proof that there is a God who made it that way. It makes sense of our lives. 
a God who's on about relationships, a God who gathers people, a God who loves. And as he gathers people, what he's doing is he's repairing all those cracks in the windscreen, all the bits he's repairing. Sin is scattering, but God is gathering. Now, you might be thinking, cool, that sounds good, but this is just in history, this is back in the day, what's it got to do with me? Well, here's where it hits closer to home, right? Why do we gather? The second reason, it's who we are. Why do we gather? It's who we are. Here's the thing, it's a bit trippy, right? The promise that we just read in Ezekiel, it's not just talking about bringing those people back into their country. It's not just talking about bringing the Israelites back from Babylon to Israel, although it is in a little bit. And you can see it's not just that because of the rest of the promises attached to it, right? In verse 25 onwards, right? He's going to cleanse them so there's no more idols among them. That's a heart change. There's something bigger going on. He's going to give them His Spirit to live in them so they can actually do what He says and follow His laws. There's something bigger going on. It's bigger than just putting them back into a country. Something heaps, heaps bigger than that. And it's got to do with you. This is a promise God has made to you. Come to John chapter 1. Because as we hit the New Testament, this promise from Ezekiel is unfulfilled. John chapter 1. Verse... 29. We're introduced to Jesus. It says, The next day John saw Jesus coming towards him and said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. We're introduced to Jesus here, right? He's going to take away the sin of the world. He's going to undo the effects of sin. He's going to undo the scattering, all of the all the bits and pieces of the cracks of sin. But he's not here just to do that, he's here to fix the very problem itself, the very impact. And so now come to John chapter 11. You guys are doing great. Eleven verse nine, no, somewhere. Nineteen? No. I'll find it. Forty-nine. There was a nine in there. All right. Now, at this point, you've got the Jewish leaders, they're just trying to work out, what are we going to do with this Jesus guy? He's getting a bit pesky, he's getting a bit annoying, what are we going to do? Verse 49, then one of them named Caiaphas, sweet name, who was the high priest that year, spoke up, you know nothing at all. You don't realise that it's better for you that one man die, Jesus, for, for the people than the whole nation perish. He's talking about the death of Jesus, what it would accomplish, and now John, the guy narrating this, tells us what's really going on. Verse 51, he did not say this on his own, but as high priest that year, he prophesied that Jesus would die for the Jewish nation, and not only for that nation, but also for the scattered children of God to bring them together and make them one. Do you see what's going on there? Why did Jesus die? Was it to forgive sin? You bet it was. Was it to beat death? You bet it was. But there's something big in this chunk. He's died to gather you to himself. He's died to gather you to be his people. And so now, if you're a Christian, you have a new identity. 
You are a gathered person. That's what God has done. That's why he has done it, to gather you to himself. If you're trusting in Jesus, that separation between you and God because of sin, he's broken. He's gathered you to himself. It's who you are. It's your identity. I'm a gathered person. You know, I'll often hear people say things like, you know, I'm a Christian. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the church thing, the youth thing, it's just not for me. It's a bit big. I don't find it that fun. I can read the Bible at home on my own, and that's pretty good. I can listen to talks at home. And so I'm a Christian. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I don't gather. I don't do the church thing. What? That doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense at all. Because the identity of a Christian is to be gathered. It's who you are. To to be a gathered person and not gather makes no sense. It just doesn't work. We like to think of ourselves as having a bunch of different identities, you know? We've got the surfers, you've got the gamers... You got the musos, you got the soccer players, whatever, right? Now imagine you're talking to someone who calls himself a surfer, and they're like, gnarly bro, <laughs> offshore, southerly. I don't know, I don't I don't know if you can tell I don't surf, right? But you're talking to them and they're like, I'm a surfer man, and you're like, sweet, how's surfing? And they're like, Oh, I don't surf. Yeah, nah, nah, not that's not for me. <laughs> yeah, no. Nah. I'm a surfer, I just I just um I don't surf. That doesn't make a gnarly dude. That doesn't make sense. You can't be a surfer and not surf. Or you're talking to a gamer and they're like, man, I'm a gamer, but I don't game. That's not for me. That doesn't make sense. I'm a soccer player who doesn't play soccer. That does, that's not a thing. It makes no sense whatsoever. A Christian can't just not gather. They're a gathered person. If you're a Christian, your identity is someone who is gathered. To not gather makes no sense. And so this might seem obvious by now, but if you're a Christian, what should you do? Gather! Gather. You nailed it, right? You should gather. Youth is your time to gather. We sit under the Word, we hear our God speak through it. We sing with one another, we help each other, we pray. This is your gathering, this is your time to gather. You can go to a church as well, that's a place to gather, EV night on a Sunday. Just don't let anything stop you from being who you are. Don't let anything stop you from gathering. That's who you are. When you get that that is who I am, that is my identity, that changes everything. You go from thinking, do I need to go to youth tonight? Do I need to go to G-teams tonight? Do I need to go to church tonight? That changes and goes, try and stop me going to youth tonight. Try and stop me going to G-teams. Try and stop me going to church. It completely changes, right? Because you get who you are. I used to think I was a soccer player. I'm a bit broken now, right? I can't do it. When I was in year 10, I was like, man, I'm a soccer player. That's who I am. Uh, It was Friday Arbor and Saturdays, they were soccer days, and I looked forward to soccer day. And it was top of the table clash coming up. The mighty carry-on Cougars represent, all right, versus the Berkeley Vale, I don't know, something or others. Something lame like a wombat or something, I don't know, right? But I was top of the table clash, I'm ready, I'm ready. 
And we're playing Oztag for sport on a Friday Arvo, and my mate thought it was funny to slide tackle me. It's not really a thing in Oztag. Snapped my ankle. Just snapped it. I didn't know I'd snapped it yet, but I got up and I couldn't walk and I was crying and stuff. And I was like, I think I'm going to be good for soccer tomorrow. I should be fine. And I can't walk. And so people are like carrying me off. I'm like, I think I should be fine. Try and stop me playing soccer, right? Now, obviously, I couldn't play because I was, my ankle snapped in half. But my thought process was, man, I am a soccer player. Try and stop me playing soccer. I'm still going to play. I'm still going to play. It is, there's going to be times for you when you find it hard to gather, when things pop up that try and get in the way of you gathering. But if you've got in your head as a Christian, I am a gathered person, then your mind shifts to try and stop me from gathering. There'll be times when your mates want to do something on a Friday night instead of youth, right? That's not bad hanging out with your mates. That's good. They want to watch a movie. They want to watch Avengers Endgame. They're like, you'll love it 3,000. It'll be great. But you remember, that hit a nerve. That hit a bit of a nerve. Sorry. Rip. Rip, right? (laughs) But when those things come up, Bring it in, bring it in. When those things come up, you go, man, I am a gathered person. I'm going to go gather. Come to youth, no matter what. Come to G-teams, no matter what. Get to church, no matter what. When you could work on a Friday night and make some extra cash, again, not a bad thing. But on a Friday night, oh, I can't do that. I'm a gathered person. I've got to go gather. And so you're NA work and you don't budge on it. When, you, when you've got to study, when you've got to do those assignments, especially as the HSC creeps up, you'll feel major pressure to not lose any time and give it all to that. But if gathering is your priority because it's your identity, then you'll gather. Not even study, you'll get in your way. I'm a gathered person. And so you might have to do practical things to make sure you can gather. You might have to get better at or just get a calendar in the first place. Right? See when your assignments are coming up, note them down, but lock in the times to gather. That's your priority. Don't let anything get in your way. Fit your study and your assignmenting, do them, but fit it around gathering. When you're feeling just a little bit under the weather or you're a bit tired, gather. It's your top priority. Now, for some of you, it's actually really hard to be around people. You're a major introvert, or there might be other stuff going on. You might get really anxious being around people. And for you, gathering can actually be really hard. We want to acknowledge that. It can be really hard for some people, especially as we get bigger. It can be hard for people to gather with us. It can get overwhelming. It can get tiring. It can get really hard. But there are some things you can do to help you gather because it's still your priority. It's still who you are. You might want to let someone know that that's the case. You don't have to battle that all on your own. Let someone that you trust, let them know so they can try and help you get along. Invest in real relationships with a couple of people around. Help make this big thing feel smaller for you. But get along and pray. Your God is in control of everything. He's in control of your energy levels. Pray, ask for energy, ask for the strength to gather. 
Gathering is our priority. Now, there's going to be times when you just literally can't gather. There's something on and you just literally can't get around it. That's okay. (laughs) You're still saved, right? But as much as you can, your priority is to gather because it's who you are. A bunch of you at FAT said, man, I'm keen to get into a G team. I'm super keen to gather into a G team. Now, a bunch of you said that, not as many of you did it. Gather. Come chat to me tonight. If you want to get into a G team, I'll get you into a G team. What an epic place to gather with just a smaller group of people. If you're not in a G team, get in one. But whatever you do, gather. It's who you are. God has saved you to gather. And so do it. So why do we gather? We gather because it's who our God is. He's the gatherer. It's who we are. We're the gathered people. And he's the last thing for the night. Third one, it's who will be forever. We will be gathered forever. We saw this a bunch on Fat Right, but your identity of a gathered person doesn't change when you die. You're gathered forever. We looked at big things on Fat, didn't we? Heaps big things. We looked at the future of everything. In our first talk there, we saw that the the new creation is going to be rock solid. It's going to be physical, bodily, it's going to be restored, it's going to be fixed. All those effects of sin gone because it's dealt with and it's going to be reunited. We'll be reunited with God. We'll be reunited with God's people, each other, those who trust in Jesus. The new creation is a gathered creation. You'll still be a gathered person. And so every time that you get to gather now here on earth, whether it's youth, whether it's church, whether it's G-teams, whatever it is, let it be a little picture of what you'll be doing forever. Because eternity will be gathered. Where we're headed forever, the new creation is gathered. And I don't know about you, but if you're anything like me, you need reminding of that so often. Come flick with me one more time, Hebrews chapter 10. You might recognise it from fat if you're there. Hebrews chapter 10. As we wait for the day when Jesus returns and takes us to be home forever, what should we be doing? Hebrews 10, verse 23. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Guys, we've got to gather as we wait for Jesus to come back. Christianity is a team sport. We need each other. As we hear, as we gather, we're all serving each other. As we sing, as you sing, you're reminding me of stuff that I'm going to forget of these epic truths that we've been looking at. You'll be teaching me, you're encouraging me, you're rebuking me. I need you to gather with me, to help me. You need each other. As you speak the truth in love to one another, you're helping us push on towards home. As you gather, you're helping. It's a team sport. Has anyone done rowing before? Just Steph. <laughs> one, one person at the back. Steph loves a good row. Here's the thing about team rowing, right? Everyone's got to pitch in. 
everyone has got to pitch in. Imagine this, right? You've got this rowing team and there's one guy, Steve. All right? Steve, man. And you're rowing and you get out in the middle. This is how you row, if you didn't know. You get out of the middle and Steve goes, you know what, guys? I'm actually fine. Don't worry about me. And you're like, what do you mean? He's like, oh, I'm not going to row. I'm probably, I'm just not going to row. I'm not going to do it. But don't worry, I'm fine. I don't need it. I'm just going to sit here. And you're like, what? All of his row mates? Row friends? What? Pawsman. Yeah, I was just making up words now, right? <laughs> Whatever they're called. They're like, what? Dude, we need you. You can't just sit back. This is a team sport. You might be fine, but I need your help to get where we're going. Guys, every time that you don't gather with your brothers and sisters, they're missing out as well. Whenever you don't gather, I'm missing out on all the things you can do to help spur me on. We need each other. It's a team sport. And it's who we're going to be forever. If you don't gather, don't think this just affects you. It affects everyone. They're missing out. And when you gather, don't think, what am I going to get out of it? Think, how can I help everyone else who's gathered? Team sport. Just showing up. You might think, what have I got to give here, right? Just showing up is encouraging. I'm so encouraged when I look out and see all of you guys gathered here. You're helping each other and it's helping you. And I reckon this changes the way you think, right? It changes the way you think when you gather from me, 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 what can I get out of it to how can I just help anyone here? How can I encourage people as I gather? And so if you're a Christian, find ways to serve other people at youth. Find ways to serve. Rock up, that's a big one, but find other ways to serve people at youth. If you want to find out ways to do that, ministry sesh next week. Come and find out. There's teams, there's things you can do to come and serve each other. You don't need that either. (laughs) By intentionally welcoming people in, being a friendly face to people, saying g'day, welcome them, meet new people. There might be people that you know you've seen around, but you haven't met them before. Go and meet them. Speak to each other in ways that will encourage and not put down. Speak the truth in love. Help people live for Jesus when you gather. After talks, ask people, how'd you find that? Is there something I can pray for you? Is there anything I can help you with? In G-Team's input, answer questions, ask questions, help one another. Because doing those things, isn't ju- it's, it's a picture of what's going to come for eternity, but it's also the very thing that's going to help us get to eternity. Our real home. It's such a good picture of heaven, it's going to help us get there. And so thinking back on fat, I'm so thankful for that week. I'm so thankful for the chance that I got to gather with you. You helped me so much. I don't know about you guys, but after fat, I was more excited for heaven than I think I've ever been in my life. And part of that is seeing you guys gathered, seeing you guys sing to our great God. I'm so excited to gather with all of you guys forever. And so don't stop gathering now. It's who our God is. He's the gatherer. It's who you are. You're the gathered people. And it's who we're going to be forever. Let's pray.
Father God, we want to thank you for who you are. That in your grace and your mercy, you have gathered scattered people. That you have brought them close to yourself and shown them mercy. We want to thank you that you've gathered us. That you've forgiven us in Jesus, forgiven our sin by his death and resurrection. We thank you that you have called us to be your people that His death has gathered us together, made you our Father and made each other our brothers and sisters. And we want to thank you so much that that's going to be us forever, that you've beaten death, that our family like this will last forever. And so we pray that you would help us by your Spirit to live like that now, that we wouldn't give up gathering, that we'd be people who would gather as our priority because it's who we are and that we'd do it even when it's real hard. And we pray that when we do gather... You would help us to help each other. Amen.